0: Welcome to the Sports Playbook, where we discuss solutions to issues that impact sports. I am your host, Angela Hazlett. Today's guest is Ryan Fitzgerald, the Assistant Director of Intramural Sports at Indiana University Bloomington. We're here to take an inside look at collegiate intramural sports. Welcome, Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: <laughs> I'm really glad to have you here, Ryan. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I think it would be helpful if we start with kind of an understanding of the different levels of sports offered on a collegiate campus. So um, I'll walk us through that and then maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your area, which is um, the intramural sports area. Basically, there are three different tiers of sponsored sports on campus. We have the intercollegiate athletics, which a lot of people think about when they think about sports at college. This mostly includes recruited athletes who participate in highly organized and competitive sports under the eligibility requirements and rules of a governing body, kind of like the NCAA. And then we have another level, which are considered club sports, which is high level competitive play, often has tryouts, competes against um, other colleges. And then we have your area, which is intramural sports. And this tier of sports um, is where college students participate in sports against and with their classmates in either a competitive or purely recreational format. Um, they take place on a college campus, are participated in by college students, really looking to socialize, stay active, learn something new. So what are some of your most popular intramural offerings at Indiana University Bloomington?
1: Sure, yeah. So. Um, uh, We are in Indiana, so basketball by by nature is a very popular sport for us. Um, Basketball, uh, flag football, soccer, um, we have futsal as well, uh, which is uh, more of an an indoor soccer um, style um, of sport. Uh, Volleyball is very popular for us, Um, so a a lot of your traditional team sports, um, spike ball and bags um, are, are also really popular for us as well usually fill up um, for us a lot of um, interested people um, within those sports as well.
0: You said spike ball and bags? Is that what In you bags,
1: said? Bags, yes. Cornhole bags.
0: explain that a little bit more? What is that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the, the two different sports. Uh, so spike ball um, is um, kind of new. Um, it in a way so spike ball is more. Um, there's a net on the ground um, and there's a ball. Two v two or or one v one, um, and it's generally played. Um, sometimes played on the beach. Sometimes we, we play on like on our turf uh, field complex. Um, so spike ball and then your your traditional um, bag, your cornhole, also known as um, we we have those tournaments as well.
0: And then how many people do you have that actually participate in intramurals?
1: Sure. Uh, so, uh, this year, kind of coming out of COVID, uh, we had over 6,000 unique individuals um, who, who participated within our program, uh, which was really, really, really cool to see. Um, prior to COVID, uh, we, we were up near 9,000 um, or, or so. So, uh, we are rebuilding, um, but over 6,000 unique um, individuals on our campus who, who choose to participate within our programs.
0: So put that in perspective for us. How many students go to Indiana University of Bloomington? What like what percentage of students are actually participating in rurals?
1: Sure, sure. So don't know the, the exact percentage, um, but thinking about like overall um, in terms of of campus, venture um, say we have probably over um, thirty thousand people here here on campus. So um, we are gen- we are definitely serving a great majority um, of our our population here on campus, which. We would always like to be more as well.
0: Uh, well, in, in, you know, the intercollegiate athletics, the club sports, those are more um, competitive and restricted to very specific populations. So this is more accessible for the larger um, student population. Um, so you've worked in intramural sports for several years now at four mm-hmm. different universities. So you started at James Madison University as the intramural sports site manager and an official. Um, You were at University of Kentucky as a grad assistant for intramural sports, then you were at University of South Carolina as a coordinator for intramural sports, and now in your current role as the assistant director of intramural sports at Indiana University, Bloomington. So comparing those four different institutions, what kind of similarities and differences have you seen between intramural programs?
1: Sure um yeah great question so i think um generally speaking in in terms of how how those sport programs are are similar um i i think we all at every place i've been um, the goal is to program support for all of our students uh, on campus so um, how that's determined what strategies kind of go into that kind of depends on leadership um, obviously within the department of, of recreational sports at that that institution as well as where your uh, rec sports department aligns with the university. Um, so for example, is it under student affairs? Um, is it, it like, is it not? So I, I think for the uh, differences, we kind of come back to um, here, like here at like at IU, we have a beautiful turf uh, field complex um, at JMU. We also did as well. Um, so just thinking about like resources in terms of like very simply put, like if it rains, do we cancel or or do we have a, like a playing surface where we are able to go out and, and continue play um, i think that uh, like across the board i think most im programs are are run pretty similar uh, there's different twists there's different uh, perspectives but on obviously depending on um, again those those bigger overarching goals of the de- uh, department that it functions but within but generally speaking uh, we We try to do, um, like at the end of the day, we try to do as best for the students, making sure we're programming, uh, making sure we're being inclusive, making sure that um, we have a very diverse set of offerings uh, for for people to come and participate with us.
0: To meet the needs of of various students. Exactly. Um, and so when you say I am, that refers to intramural sports, correct? Yes. Is that the lingo yes. For, yes. for intramural sports? The
1: lingo there. Yeah.
0: The lingo. The lingo. Yep. Um, let's let's transition just a little bit. You um, in looking at your handbook for participation, you have a policy that allows for persons to participate in accordance with their gender identity. Um, allowing individuals to select whether they can be in men's women's co-ed leagues um so you also have an open recreational category and a residential hall category that don't have these restrictions or categories based on sex or gender um so can you explain to me why are many participants separated by gender in mm-hmm. these different leagues
1: Sure. Yeah. Good question. So, um, for us, this is actually something we we've looked a lot into um, this year. Uh, we have we have met with colleagues on campus to answer that question as to why. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't have a perfect answer. Um, it's something we are still we are still looking into. We are still um, asking our participants uh, what what our league structure should look like to be inclusive. Um, and and we're we're talking with people to to really try to understand. Um, do, do people like participating in a, a men's and a women's league, a co-league, in an open league where there are no gender re- requirements? Um, so that's something we're actually currently looking into and working on um, to see how is that current setup inclusive um, for for everyone, or does it discourage people to participate within our programs? So uh, we're actually having those conversations. Um, that's That's kind of the way it's always been done. Um, is, is the the kind of traditional men's, women's co, um, co-leagues. Uh, we actually started this past spring. Uh, we have open leagues for every single one of our sport offerings. So we we are um, having those conversations again to to really make sure we are being inclusive uh, on campus for the students we serve.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the tenets of intramural sports is to be <laughs> inclusive to the um, community at large and at, at the institution um gender identity is in sport is a controversial issue regarding fairness at all levels of sport um so you said this is sort of something you're in conversations with but how long has your gender identity policy been in place and how has it been received by that indiana university bloomington community
1: sure um so the policy um the the policy before we, we we Rewrote most of it uh, this past spring. Uh, the policy, in general, um, was in place before my time um, here here at IU, um, and we, we truthfully made some changes because the previous policy was not well received um, by uh, by our student population. So uh, we we had some conversations. We've we've listened. Um, we've we kind of sat, sat at the table to to have those conversations, um, and that's where we've seen that that change this past spring. Um, some updates to to our policy Uh, the the way we word things uh, man versus woman, uh, men versus woman uh, female versus male Um, how how do we um, use proper verbiage as well uh, within our policies um, to make sure that if somebody comes and they are interested in signing up um, and they see verbiage that is not very inclusive that might automatically deter them from participating within our programs so we want to make sure we are Using the correct verbiage uh, to make sure that they they feel included uh, within our space.
0: Yeah, if they don't see that a reflection of their identity that they can choose from to participate, then they feel like maybe they're they don't have a place in participating. So, um, you also have r- other rules that limit athletes who compete at higher levels um, <laughs> if they compete in club, intercollegiate, professional sports. Would you say limiting participation of athletes that compete at a more, you know, higher tier is this more of a safety issue or a fairness issue?
1: Sure, um, I, I would say that it's a it's a mixture of both. Um, so uh, when we think about the the overall um, population of of students who, who who participate within our programs here at IU, uh, we have both competitive and recreational leagues uh, for for most of our our sports. So people can sign up uh, we also do it in terms of, of fairness for those participants as well right so when we think about the, the fairness aspect as well as if you match a, an elite athlete within a, like a sport with somebody who might not have as much experience does that then present a, like a safety concern uh, for that person um, so that's that's generally why why we have those policies in place
0: yeah and then and then i would think that they're people competing at a higher level they're already getting and opportunities elsewhere, and that may be taking the place of an opportunity for um, someone else who can't compete at that level or doesn't compete at that level as well. And I know part of the philosophy for intramural sports is that participants should demonstrate good sportsmanship. In your participant handbook, you cite the Webster's dictionary definition that a sportsman is a person who can take loss or defeat without complaint or victory without gloating and who treats his opponents with, opponents with fairness, generosity, courtesy. So why is this an important aspect of your philosophy for intramural sports?
1: Sure. Um, it, it's something we talk about from the first day in August uh, when, when we have our staff training um, until the last day of the the, the semester in the spring. Um, for us, sportsmanship is more than being a good sport. Um, it, it helps us to create like an environment where IM should be a really fun place where people are, are able to come out, recreate with their friends, um, mix in a little competition in there. Uh, but but the purpose of, of why we have IMs on campus um, is to um, allow people to come out to recreate, as I just said, and, and just have a really fun experience. Um, so for us, sportsmanship gets factored into playoff eligibility, um, like into seating. Um, so it's something we talk about often, um, and it's something we talk about during captains' meetings before games, um, of just making sure that this is still an, an IU sanctioned program. This is still something that that is is representative of of you, um, and should still be following every policy you you follow like in the classroom as well. So um, it's it's an extension. Obviously, sport by nature um, can can kind of bring some things out that we wouldn't have in the classroom um, but it is something for us that towards our our officials towards our like our supervisors making sure that that people are are being good sports um and and they're they're having fun and the other team is also a, able to enjoy their experience as well
0: you know i had an experience when i was a site supervisor <laughs> for recreation where um during basketball um, a basketball game, a participant did not like the call from an official and became verbally aggressive towards the official threatening violence. And I sort of had to jump in the middle and intervene and um, help kind of manage that that situation. So what are some examples in your years of experience where people have not been good sports? and what were the consequences for that poor behavior?
1: Sure, that the the list is, is fairly lengthy, but uh, there's, uh, there's, there's everything from uh, like, like you kind of mentioned, uh, verbal abuse towards towards a staff member. Uh, Those are things we absolutely do not tolerate. Uh, For us, all all of our sports officials are our students uh, on campus. So uh, we're teaching them, we're training them, we are developing them um, as officials. um, And berating them and, and yelling at them and doing those types of things are are things we take very seriously um, and they're things that oftentimes come with game suspensions or or at least conversations um, with us um, in terms of of participants it um, goes from everything from verbal altercations with with other participants that can be resolved by by quick conversation as as your your example kind of says or or we have entire fan bases um that that they're screaming and yelling and threatening and and um and then we have to clear the entire sideline right we have Mm to like remove everybody um and and for us uh, we emphasize that the captain of the team represents the the team the team that's on the field as well as any fans or, or anything that come to watch the game so for us sportsmanship encompasses everything anybody who's there that has any representation for your team Um, goes into your sportsmanship rating so um, that's something for us that that we 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 have those conversations and and we'll we'll, we'll make sure and again the bottom line is this should be really fun Uh, this this should be a a really good avenue for for people to to come out have a good time recreate with their friends um, and 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 participate in sport
0: and that sportsmanship rating factors into playoff eligibility are there any other Consequences other than um, postseason play?
1: Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so, for us, if like if a team gets below our our sportsmanship rating is on a four point scale. Um, so, if a team were to get below, say, like a two sportsmanship rating, uh, we look at that every day um, after each each night of games. And if a team gets below a two, we're going to have some some direct conversations with that team to figure out what what went on. we'll also talk with our staff. Um, so anything that um, anything that kind of raises to a two, uh, which is often anything that uh, again kind of goes against the, the student code of conduct or anything like that, we will uh, reach out, have conversations and it's a, if it's a consistent issue, uh, we've also removed teams from from leagues as well um, if they're um, unable to to be good sports.
0: And providing that education, you're at a university mm-hmm. where you educate, right? So education it's <laughs> important and how to improve their behavior is really important. You know, and I know this plays into officials and how they're treated. Our country is experiencing a nationwide crisis for recruiting and maintaining sports officials to referee athletic competition. Some contributing factors include the great resignation, Low wages, verbal and physical abuse from athletes, coaches, and spectators. Are you also experiencing a crisis in recruiting and maintaining sports officials? And if so, what are you doing to combat this challenge?
1: Yes, uh, the answer is yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, you're you're right. Um, I I know locally here uh, for for high school sports as well. Uh, we uh, we're low in terms of numbers, but specifically here on campus as well um and it's not just necessarily sports officials um it's kind of across our our department as well Um, but i think specifically the sports official job uh, across the country uh people like you said they they see things that are constantly on the news right Um, on facebook on on the news whatever else it might be um, regarding officials and and how they're being treated. Um, so it's not necessarily something right now that that people want to sign up to, to come do. Um, it's it for for me. I started uh, when I was at JMU. Um, that's that's how I got into this field, um, and I love it. Um, it's it's something that I, I I've learned how to how to manage that um, how how to deal with that. But coming into it right now um, with the current environment, that environment wasn't as as known when I got into uh, got into it. So I think right now everybody's kind of aware of it. Um, and it's something that's, that's even more of, of a barrier to, to kind of see past that to, and come out. And for us on campus, we're officiating our peers as well. Yeah,
0: right. So, yeah. And that's, that's even tougher, maybe officiating peers. Do you, uh, you have the sportsmanship rating in place to help kind of protect the officials. Um, but what are you doing to overcome this shortage of Having proper trained officials to officiate your competitive sports.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, so, so for us, uh, something we did, um, kind of coming out of COVID, uh, we we didn't come back with with a full sport offering um, this this past year. Uh, we we got back into it. We had to we had very little returning staff uh, when we came back um, out of COVID. Um, So when we like we were completely rebuilding so we were hiring um, hiring people who were interested in the job um, training them uh, getting them on the fields. Um, But again it's it's one of those things where we we can't force people to go out and want to be a like sports official so that that interest has to come first, and I think that that's that's the hardest part Uh, we're having conversations with people. Kind of letting them know that we'll provide them with all all of the training that they need to be successful. Uh, but there's still questions, right? There's still those those lingering questions as to how, how how do we respond if somebody is yelling at us, or or how do we respond um, if if like we make a bad call, right? Which were things before that we asked questions about, but now it's more more often more relevant.
0: and and what do you say in response to that how should they respond if there is some kind of issue they have to manage on the field
1: sure Um, our our biggest kind of philosophy is uh we we don't try to meet the the participant where they are uh we 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 keep trying to do our job of doing it well let the last play go we'll talk about it later uh we will debrief that that play that call um oftentimes I, i tell our staff as well oftentimes we we do make the right call according to the rules that we play by right so so when we think about um, a lot of our participants may they may watch like the nba they may watch college sports we we follow high school rules right for for most of our sports so there's there's a difference um so we teach them towards towards those rules so being confident as well right so just overall confidence um as as soon as potentially you you like you let somebody see that we've that's gotten to you right it's doors are open and it it might cause more problems throughout the game as well so standing strong being confident um and then we can always answer questions later
0: so if there's an injury that happens what role do officials have um at that point when when someone gets injured in competition now what what does an official do
1: sure um so for us um uh, our like officials are in charge of stopping the game um going over to the participant and calling over our uh like supervisor staff as they're on site um so so for us uh we we have medical personnel um that that is on site that that we um it depending on injury um s- scope of of injury and such uh we call over that Um, medical personnel and and they come over, they they will take over and assess and and direct on next steps.
0: Wow, that's incredible that you have medical staff on site. And Ryan, I know you personally have experienced several concussions that you sustained in sports and concussions are highly prevalent in sports, um, yet they can be really difficult to assess. So how has your personal experience in um, sustaining concussions influenced how you run the intramural sports program at Indiana University Bloomington?
1: Thank you Uh, first. That's the big thing, uh, honestly, is um, thinking through that that mindset. um, Going through those concussions and and kind of managing that, there was nothing ever that that wasn't safe about it, right, Uh, when I was participating um but how how do we train our staff um how do we set ourselves our ourselves up to be as as prepared in those like incidents as possible so how do we train our staff to to recognize those things how do we trade to train our our staff to uh respond quickly right make like making sure but that we're being timely with our uh, response as well
0: And it probably is really helpful to have medical personnel on site so that um, they can sort of make that decision on return to play. I assume they, they make that decision rather than the official, um, themselves.
1: Yes. Yeah. A medical personnel for us, um, they, they will, um, determine what, what happens next. Um, so if, uh, there is say head, neck or back injury and, um, paramedics need to be called. A uh, re- return to play wise, uh, that participant cannot come back and participate in anything for, for at least 24 hours. Uh, so um, so that's generally where that goes. Um, and then in terms of responding, that, that medical personnel is the one to then determine if that person is, is safe to return to play.
0: Excellent. And you mentioned COVID earlier and how you've had to reduce the number of sport offerings, which has improved your official ratio. Um, but do you think you mentioned that you're also mentioned that your number of participants have reduced pre post pandemic by a couple thousand students, um, how else has COVID impacted your operations and, um, you know, what else have you had to do, uh, to kind of hone in on COVID protocols So we're kind of towards the end here, but is there any like one or two things that you really have, um, had to change?
1: Sure, Um, over the past few years, um, since COVID started, uh, we didn't have any team sports for over a year, year and a half, Um, so we did not historically offer eSports, so that's something we we brought in, Um, and then as we transitioned back into offering some 1v1 type of sport offerings, a very strategic approach back to getting back to a more normal sport offering, uh, we we used a lot of policies and, and procedures um, in terms of, of cleaning, um, whether it's equipment, whether it's um, participant sanitizing, uh, we, we did a lot to make sure that we were setting ourselves up with a very safe environment. And as we've continued to transition, making sure that um, our participants feel safe within the, that environment as well. So, so listening with them, engaging with them as well, really hearing their, their their perspective.
0: Absolutely. I know weather is always something that you have to be mindful of. Um, Being in the Midwest, you have to worry about tornadoes and of course, lightning storms and snow and all those sorts of things. But you also have to think about um, what kind of equipment and apparel the participants are wearing, Um, make sure they don't wear pockets or zippers or um, jewelry, things that can cause them injury. Are there any other major areas that you focus on to keep participants, officials, spectators
1: safe? Sure. Um, yeah, everything you mentioned um, it, especially when, like, when we think about anything that's that's hard um, or um, could could cause injury to somebody else. So we always think about whether it's a brace or like, or anything like that, anything that could potentially cause harm. Pockets are a huge thing with flag football. Um, just, just everything we can do uh, to make sure that our participants are safe as well as, The the participants that that they're playing against as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, this has been very illuminating. So thank you, Ryan, for giving us an inside look at collegiate intramural sports. And thank you to our viewers for joining us today on the sports playbook. In two weeks time, our guest is Steve Schoenfeld, who will discuss the PGA Tour. We will see you then.